What is up, Bengals fans? It is draft week, and I can't believe it's already here. I'm Anthony Kazenta, John Sheeran. We've got a special guest. We'll intro him in just a second. John, how you doing, bud? Busy week, but a fun one ahead. How you doing? Yeah, busy and fun as well. Um, you know, I just actually got off the phone with my mom, and she wanted everyone to know that she has declared for Team Chase. I'm not oh, wow. making that up. Yeah, okay. like apparently she was in physical ther- therapy uh, for Parkinson's today. And they were talking about like Joe Burrow scar and stuff like that. And she was hearing a bunch of BS like, well, you know, they'll just need to take an offense lineman. They, they need to take a receiver too. And I'm like, you know what? It sounds like you're on the team chase train. Like, you know what? I think I am. So everyone out there, Mrs. Sheeran's team chase. Then so take that forward to this. If she's team chase, I, I think we can all be team chase. And I know it's been debated, but the, the legend in between John and I here, the guy who is responsible for this lovely merch, that we are rocking and Randall's rocking back behind John. Joe Goodberry, it has been far too long since you have been on this show, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing great. If you hear my kids in the background, there a fight just erupted in the in the back. And you know, I, I, you know how that is, Anthony. Maybe not John yet in a few more years. But uh, I'm doing great. Other than that, everything else is going smoothly. Good. Put them in the octagon. See who is right. victorious, right? <laughs> Well, it's awesome to speak with you. Like I said, it's been far too long. Obviously, we we converse and whatnot on Twitter, but you are the go-to guy, especially this time of year because of the draft, the Bengals, what they're going to do, and we've got a lot of questions for you. Happy to have you back on. I, I before because you are the architect of this awesome logo, these hats, the rad sweater you were wearing. I guess I would be remiss if I did not ask you just before we get into all the draft stuff about the uniforms. Uh, John was present for a very cool event with the team uh, when they did that, but your overall opinions about what what they unveiled, the combinations, all of that good stuff. Want to want to get your take on that? Yeah, I'm very jealous of John, for, first and foremost. So am I. Like, I know, right? That looked like a great <laughs> time. So uh, other than that, I kind of felt bad afterwards. Um, it's funny because it happened. And then I read the athletic story about like some, like the Bengals that took part in the organizing and the, in the the design and the decision-making and how they kind of felt bad that they leaked. And, and then I felt bad at how I perpetuated the, the legitimacy of the leaks. Cause I knew they were real as soon as they happened. I mean, it was obvious, but I, I was like, yeah, those are them because I had good sources. I had good descriptions the whole way. Um, and then I saw them, so I was partial, I guess, because I knew what they looked like. I thought they looked good. So it wasn't a surprise to me. It was more like, yeah, and they look great on players. This is what I expect. I'm happy with a a, um, a simple look. You know, I think they did the right thing overall. I, I, I'm glad the color rush just basically became the away jersey. I thought that was yeah. maybe the best thing about all of that. I'm not sure how the pants are going to go. I think that maybe if there was one misstep, I think some of the colors look weird when they get comboed up. And maybe they won't do that all the time, but uh, overall, I think they they look cleaner, they look better, they look smoother. You got you got a combo you like? Sorry, yeah, the all, all whites. I think the all whites look great. Okay. Well, when I was there, Paul Brown, I think I told Joe this, like, like because we had our phones locked away and we signed non disclosure agreements that lasted fifteen hours because it was the night before they were going to reveal them. And I, I got my phone out, and then Joe DMs me. So, so did you see him? <laughs> and <then> immediately, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like em- Emily. Emily Parker is the director of communications. Like Emily, Joe's trying to fish for more info, man. <laughs> <laughs> Threw him under the bus. I love it. 
Well, where we, where we want to start, Joe, uh, with, with the draft? I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess I, I guess let's start here. Okay. There, there seems to be a big dividing line with Team Sewell and Team Chase in terms of what the Bengals should do. At number five, obviously, there are other options. Kyle Pitts lingering out there in the background. And, of course, a trade-back type of situation. I've seen you kind of argue primarily Team Chase, it would seem, on your Twitter account but you've also have some glowing reviews of, of Sewell. I guess let's just kind of start there and, and your take on number five, those two guys and or what the Bengals should be doing in your estimation. Yeah, I'm kind of on team they can't do wrong. I, I think if they ended up with either one of those three, I would be ecstatic and I can see why you would make that pick from any team's perspective. So, uh, you know, I think we, I don't really get into or I don't really think I'm team chase more than team Sewell. I, I I don't think I'm less team pits than I probably have heard that they're not going to draft him or, and I believe that. And so I, I kind of like, we haven't talked about it because of that situation as much as we probably should for the quality of player he is. But uh, I think it's harder to find a Penny Sewell if he reaches his peak than it is to find a Jamar Chase if he reaches his peak. But I think I, when I watch prospects, I think both are worthy of a, of a top five pick. We don't have the data set you get with wide receivers when you're talking about offensive line, because there isn't a production score, right? There's not, he had this many yards at this many at this age, yada, yada. It's did he play well at 18, 19? Yeah, I guess he did, but he had some issues, you know, but he did play well. I'm talking to Penny Sewell. Uh, The thing with Chase is he feels like a safer prospect because I can put up his production with other guys that did that at 19 and say, that's what a number one receiver looks like. So, yeah, they both tested well on tape. They both look good. They both get the, fl- the the passing colors there. It's just the production factor with Chase that I think that's a, he's a pretty safe prospect. I think the bus factor for him is pretty low, and he's got high upside. So I understand why you would take that in a loaded offensive line class and say come back in round two and whoever's there, we need a right guard more than anything right now to start. You can find that in round two. In fact, that's where you find them. You find ta- good offensive tackles in round one more than likely. You find good interior offensive linemen on day two. And I think if that's the route they go, that's the sounds like a plan to me. It's just been funny to see this this whole thing just encapsulate everybody for what seems like months now. And it's funny when people you know talk to you about it, they're like, oh, you keep flip-flopping back and forth because you're just going through the analysis of what it is. But like I was talking to Anthony about this earlier, like it, it, and it didn't start with Sewell versus Chase, right? It almost started like Sewell versus Slater because we were, we thought that they were going to take an offensive lineman. And then Chase entered the conversation with how the offseason kind of evolved. And now, like, it, I never expected to, like, be on one side or the other because they're obviously just both great and they can't really go wrong. But just the way that the discourse has evolved to a point where it's like if they don't take Sewell, Burrow's knee is going to, 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 to stay hurt and stuff like that. And it's almost like that in itself – is creating more it created more of the of the actual divide and it's almost like that's why i'm on i guess team chase if i had to pick a side because it's almost like you just don't want to associate with that type of reasoning it's like a rorschach test right of who's what's which team are you on says a lot about how you view football how you view the draft how you view the Bengals' ability to draft i think it says a lot of things uh and I, i some of the rhetoric that comes with team sewell is strange to me. Like, they, I can't find a good right guard in round two. Why can't I? Well, because the Bengals haven't drafted well. Yeah, and they'll, they'll say, you know, Billy Price or whatever. And they'll look, they drafted Billy Price last time. Yeah, but they wanted Frank Ragnow, who's now a top five mm-hmm. center. So were their evaluation mm-hmm. wrong? No, they got unlucky. Sometimes that happens. Um, and that could happen again. They could get their hearts broken again in round two. 
yes, it could happen. But I think they should and probably will take multiple swings on the offensive line. If you take Jamar Chase, it doesn't mean you don't care about the offensive line. It doesn't mean you're not going to address offensive line. It doesn't mean you won't fix it and won't find guys. I think pick 38 is earmarked for O-line unless someone drops and they can't deny it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they came back in 69 or 111, whatever it is in the fourth round, and go O-line with one of those two picks. They've got a lot of needs. They need defensive ends. They need defensive tackles. They could bypass O-line again in one of those areas. But I think they're going to make it a priority. I think they're closer on offense once you add a Jamar Chase and a second-round offensive lineman that presumably starts at right guard. Let's look at that lineup. Let's look, the depth chart now on offense looks pretty good. If you mix anything else or go, or if you start at Penny Sewell and then try to get wide receiver in round two, because I think the hard part for a lot of people is there is coming to the idea and the grips that wide receiver was legitimately a need and is a need. We've talked, and everyone uses the targets to A.J. Green. Even if you wanted to give a little bit of that to T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd, right, you're still talking 80 targets or so. They are a three wide receiver team. It is a starter and it could make those other guys better if you get the right guy in there. So I don't think they want to mess around with that. I think they want to fill it as fast as possible and then come back and get the right guard. And I, if anybody can't get on board with that, I, I just wonder where you're at. I, what I can't get on board with, I guess, is the fact that seemingly Kyle Pitts is not really in the conversation for this team at number five. Mm. Uh, I, I can understand if it's, you know, your traditional inline tight end and, you know, you're looking at the Bengals, obviously then you have offensive line need edge need wide receiver need, like he's mentioned, but, you know, based on the tea leaves and, you know, Malik Wright, who's become a trusted source and others, uh, on, on the Bengals beat that have kind of said, look, he's just not really so much in the conversation at number five. I sit here and I go, why not? Uh, and, I don't know how you feel about that. You obviously you think he's an outstanding prospect, but I mean, are you maybe bummed? Are you surprised? Are you uh, not surprised about the fact that he is not seemingly in the conversation for the Bengals at number five? Because I think that would be a really fun toy for this offense to have. Uh, you know, I don't I don't really call him tight end, flex, weapon, whatever you want to call weapon. him because he's yeah. I mean, it's just not uh, that pigeonholes him too much in my opinion. So I, I just I kind of have this dream that he would be more in the conversation with them for at number five, but doesn't seem to be. No, I hear you. And it's funny. You go back to January and I'm like, man, whoever gets Kyle Pitts is getting a freak that changes your offense. And I, cause we're thinking he goes around what eight to 15 in that range. And he just kept getting pushed up to the point where he may be the first non quarterback taken. That's a possibility. And he's worthy of that. If you view him as an ultimate chess piece on offense, which you should, I think most teams should. And how can you not, when you watch this film, uh, he's a freak. He's and he's young, just like these other two guys. I think if you're scared off of Pitts, it's probably because you're saying he's a tight end. Uh, if we have to move him to like an X wide receiver, he's is he better than Chase as an X wide receiver? No, he's probably not. Uh, now, obviously, he's more dynamic because you can do more things in terms of uh, putting him at actual tight end and doing things from the slot that you can't do with Chase. You get the size. But is that too similar to a T. Higgins, maybe? Is that too similar to what you use Tyler Boyd for over the middle? I think he would flourish with Joe Burrow, to be honest. Pitts would be that guy, the intermediate range, uh, the way Burrow was as accurate as he was last year. It'd be a great fit, but they probably still need a deep threat somewhere on the outside. So I don't think it fills a need. I think it just uh, makes you more dynamic, makes you more multiple in, in a lot of ways, makes you more dangerous. I'd still want them to have a tight end like that. Uh, I, I think if you take him and you're you're paying him as the number five pick, he's immediately one of the higher paid tight ends in the league. Uh, those 
that position tends to get injured a little bit more often. The learning curve tends to be a little bit steeper and take a little bit longer for those guys. But I think you could do more with him right, right away early. So I don't even know if I'd buy that. I just think that would probably be the argument and why they moved away from it. And I think if he does get taken by Atlanta, like people won't feel like great, but they'll feel like kind of relieved that the Bengals won't be able to get the pass on him for Jamar mm-hmm. Chase if people are just kind of on the fence with that. But I guess let's just play more or less not not doomsday, but like let's play the unlikely scenario because there were reports of the Lions trading up with the Falcons to take Jamar Chase. That's probably not going to happen for obvious reasons, but let's just say that it does, right? Chase goes before the Bengals. You made an interesting uh, – you had an interesting take, I think, a tweet that said that on for the Bengals' board, they would probably more likely trade back down a couple spots than just stay there and take Sewell. So for people who are very much on Sewell, what is the reasoning behind that, I guess? That was from a source and me putting two and two together. So um, as that tends to be how I operate mostly, actually. I can read between the lines pretty well. I can do my own evaluation, but it always helps when someone gives you a little bit of a nudge in one direction. And, and in this case, it was – um, if Chase is gone, you know, Chase is the pick. I, I don't know if we've made that clear enough at this point. Oh, Chase yeah. is the pick if he's there. If he's not there, that means a quarterback did not go number four. Now, I think the scenario I'm looking at here is that Mac Jones goes number three. And in mm. that scenario, Mac Jones goes three, and let's say Chase, Atlanta moves up, and or I'm sorry, Atlanta moves back, Lions move up, and let's play in that, in that sandbox. And Chase goes number four. That means only three quarterbacks have gone and someone is calling you for Fields or Lance because I don't think anyone's calling for Mac Jones. It just feels like there's no other connection with anyone other than the 49ers. So who's calling to get him? Maybe other teams like him, but you just you don't read that too much. So is it now the Panthers or the Broncos or the Patriots or wherever it may be calling about trying to get up and get Lance or Fields? And I think – when we listened to Duke Tobin talk the first time, it was, we don't want to move back and miss out on our tier of players. And I'm like, that makes sense. And I'm thinking, what is that? Chase Pitts and Sewell? Okay, that makes sense to me. That would be the three elite guys. And then you hear him the next time. He's like, we have had conversations. We don't want to miss out on our tier of players. And I'm thinking, okay, so if they're that clear on Jamar Chase being the pick at five, maybe he's in the tier of his own. Maybe to him and like, we don't need to have information that they like Jamar Chase. We know based on who they like at receiver and, and how they evaluate and what they like to draft. They love Jamar Chase. No doubt in my mind, they think he's worthy of that pick. Uh, maybe he's on a tier of his own. So maybe that that he, what he's saying is we won't trade back and miss Jamar Chase, but we would trade back and, and then get into the next bucket of guys that mm-hmm. includes Sewell, Slater, maybe even then that's Pitts, but maybe there's other guys in there. Maybe it's the corners that are that are right right after that. So I'm wondering if that's what he was saying there. I, I, we assumed it was Pitts and Sewell with Chase, but then I started thinking maybe it's not. Maybe it's Chase, and then it's the next group. Talking with Joe Goodberry, Bengals favorite, Twitter favorite, NFL draft expert. Happy to have him on the program. Uh, it has been quite a while since he's been on the show and we are ecstatic to have him back joe before we kind of talk a little bit more draft i'm gonna i'm gonna let you plug these awesome hats because a lot of people are getting them a lot of people are asking about where they can get that kind of stuff is there a website or something you've got where people can can buy these things yeah they'll be up the second week of may because i've got things going on until then it takes some work to get them packaged up and shipped all out so i will have them on twitter i will tell you exactly when they're going for sale because they typically go pretty fast so if you are worried about that or why other people have them you see them behind john and anthony's wearing his thank you very much on that i sent those to those guys to drum up 
drum up interest for you for the people to you know get yeah, excited we're, we're about just it. Pawns. We're, we're just free advertising. That's it. That's all that was. <laughs> so uh, so in the second week of May, be on the lookout for the link for that. Joe's building the the Bengal Brain Army. I love it. Uh, look, I, I, you kind of talked about a trade back scenario a little bit. Is there a specific? for you is there a specific instance whether it's in round one maybe in at the top of round two where you say right here is where it makes a lot of sense i know with round one if you're moving out of five you're getting more draft capital for that pick than you are obviously at the top of round two but round two maybe you get a little bit more uh room to play with in some of the deeper areas of the draft offensive line that sort of thing i mean where do you think it makes most sense here obviously it's probably dependent upon who goes and whatnot but is there is there a scenario we go wow that one actually would really if I'm, if I'm in the Bengals GM chair, that one would really interest me. Yeah, and I think they re- recently they have a penchant in the second round to trade back a little bit, right? Jesse Bates' yeah. year, the, the Drew Sample year, that didn't work out as well as they uh, probably had hoped. It seems like they're, you know, you, you, you don't want to drop back out of a tier and miss your guys. I think they may have in that, that class. Uh, but point is, he, here's the scenario in round two, right? Someone falls to them and they want to address offensive line. And it's not an offensive lineman that drops. Maybe it's an edge rusher. Maybe it's a corner, whatever the case may be. You throw a position out there. And they're, they're like, ah. you know, teams are calling because they want that Aziz jewelry, right? And, and he's still there all of a sudden. And they're like, well, we'll come up and give you a third or a fourth round, whatever, whatever it may be. Uh, that's when you trade back 10, 15 spots, and you let the board fall to you as uh, for an offensive lineman. Because I think there's a lot of guys that are going to be mid – second to third round. Maybe they won't be there at 69, but they're probably, you know, too early to take at 38, whether it's like a Ben Cleveland and Milton Williams, you see two guys that always mock to the Bengals. I think that is in their range in there where you're probably lucky if they're still there at 69. Uh, there's a ton of offensive linemen though. So I think you can get into that. Maybe Leatherwood and Cosme are already gone, right? At 38. And you're sitting there like, well, Jackson Carmen could be the next guy. Wyatt Davis could be the mm-hmm. next guy. There's a lot in that next tier, I think, of guys that could go in the first round. Okay, they're gone. Here's second round concrete guys, and I think there could be like eight of them if you look at tackles and guard. And if, at that point, if someone wants to give you an extra fourth-round pick, they could use it, and that's when you would trade back. Right. So, yeah, I mean, they had calls last year to trade back in the second round, but they saw T Higgins there. They had a right. first round grade on him. I mean, you're not going to pass that up if you're in their yeah. shoes and it could be a very similar situation this year because you're picking what six, the sixth spot in the second mm-hmm. round. There's still, there's still likely to be a guy that, that drops out of the first round who's there and he may not be an offensive lineman. So in, in my mind, I'm thinking it's either that or they're just going to take the best offensive lineman available. And if there's not an offensive lineman that they like there, then they're going to field those offers. So I guess we can talk more about, that second tier offensive alignment group. Uh, Dave Lapham was on the, the Bengals booth podcast. Like he always does right before the draft and he name dropped a few names for offensive alignment, not really names that are associated a lot with the Bengals in terms of mock drafts, which is kind of how it is, right? You know, it, there are, there's always some surprises. This team almost took Logan Wilson in the second round last year. So they, they don't always go with the consensus of what the fans like. So when you hear the names, Walker Little, Liam mm-hmm. Eichenberg, Dylan Redunds, Aaron Banks, and Landon Dickerson, which guys in, in those groups would you be comfortable taking with 38 or would you rather leave and wait until they're there in 69? If everyone had a clean bill of health, it'd be Landon Dickerson. I think he is tremendous on tape. I think he could play center or guard at a high level. And uh, I would love if they were able to pick him and slide him instantly in at guard or center. I don't really care where you put him. Put him at guard if you want as a rookie year and eventually he takes over at center. But recent reports are that it's not very uh, good for him. And, I think we've seen these guys before. That's how you get a Carl Lawson in round four. 
is is the medicals don't look great, right? So uh, you probably can't touch him at 38. But for me, the next group, I like Eichenberg. I know he's he's got some issues in terms of sometimes I think he gets a little too grabby and could be a penalty kind of uh, guy. But I think you kick him inside, and that may not be as much of an issue because I think sometimes length is an issue for him at tackle. Maybe he's – I personally, any of these guys that I think can eventually kick to tackle – I'm more interested in. I think the NFL will probably be more than a Wyatt Davis or, or a guy that's just a straight-up guard, Ben Cleveland, Kendrick Green, Trey Smith. Uh, I, The guy I think with the most upside, and maybe he goes closer to like 69, is Quinn Miners. And I know you get those D3 guys, and they probably go a full round later than they should. Well, he dominated his competition. He tested like a freak athlete, went to the Senior Bowl, and showed out against guys that are obviously much better pedigree than he is. I, he's going to be a good starting interior offensive lineman, and he's got Pro Bowl type potential, if not All Pro. And I just think um, maybe you don't get him at thirty-eight. Maybe that's too early, but maybe at fifty, maybe at sixty-nine. And so I, I don't know what to do with Walker Little either, though. Like, what am I? What are you supposed to watch high school tape on him? You know exactly. Yeah. Can the Bengals risk any injury type guy? And people ask, should they take Caleb Farrelly if he's still there in 38? Can they risk that? They kind of need to hit on these guys, and these guys need to play as rookies. They, they've gone too many years without getting any production out of the rookie classes. Uh, at least, you know, these guys are ending up injured if, more times than not. Uh, I don't think they can mess around with those type of guys that have question marks. Joe, let's let's talk a little, uh, since you talked about Walker a little, a little bit, but let's, let's talk – other side of the ball, de- defensive interior. I know there's one guy specifically that's been kind of creating a lot of buzz because of his workouts and and the numbers that he put up. Milton Williams is an interesting guy. There are a couple of others as well. Uh, I know we've previewed uh, Jay Tefele of, of USC, another defensive lineman that can kind of move around a little bit. I don't know. I, what are you thinking about that group? I know there's kind of some talent. It's kind of an inconsistent position group in this in this uh, draft class it would seem you know there's some talented guys and then it's not overly deep I, I don't know what what guys intrigue you as maybe best fits for what the Bengals are trying to do under Lou Anarumo it's obvious that they're trying to get uh, interior pressure based on all of the free agency guys they pursued mm-hmm. this this offseason so I mean I don't know what do, you, what do you think and fit wise of some of those defensive interior guys yeah I can't keep mentioning Milton Williams every time because I would love if they drafted <laughs> him but I, I feel like there's it seems like 20 fan bases are all like, give me Milton Williams. And so you're mm-hmm. the chance you're not getting him. But uh, so what are the backup options? I think Davion Nixon from Iowa, if he's a, a late second, third round kind of guy, uh, has a lot of upside as an interior pass rusher. I, I like Bobby Brown out of Texas A&M. I like Jonathan Marshall out of Arkansas, who may be more of like a fifth rounder. But I, that's kind of where I want to take one if, if they go and attack offense heavy. Uh, Alan McNeil, NC State. That makes a lot of sense to me, too. I think they need a three-tech. You sign a um, Larry Ogunjobi on a one-year deal. He's more been like a flash-type guy his whole career in Cleveland. There's times I thought he's going to take the next step and be a, a contributing player, a, a, an impact player. He never did that. I don't know that they're expecting him to with a one-year deal. I think three-tech is a big need for them. I, if we kind of how we see how they instantly replace their franchise greats with Jamar Chase to – AJ Green here. I wouldn't be surprised if they jumped on a Milton Williams as early as possible to to replace Geno Atkins. Uh, I think the one guy that's here. Here I am saying they shouldn't take any type of uh, injury risk. But Deo Adiingbo out of Vanderbilt is an edge interior kind of guy. He looks like Carlos Dunlap at times, thirty five inch wingspan, uh, but he kicks inside and just beats up on centers and guards. 
Uh, he got injured right before the senior bowl or at the senior bowl, whatever. Uh, he's not going to be ready. It doesn't seem like in time, but I'm talking if he's there in the fourth, that makes a lot of sense. Is that a third round pick? Maybe. Uh, I just think the D tackle class is a tough one. And I think a few of these guys can get pushed up maybe a half a round before they should go, because there's probably only about five guys with high end potential. There's a bunch of guys that are decent and look like they'll be able to play for a long time and, and make an impact. But is that what you want? Uh, you know, I think the Bengals, when you look at their draft classes of recent and what's the difference between those draft classes that built the 11 through 15 teams is they're getting nothing on day three. You can't keep taking these guys that are just going to have okay potential or, or special teams type role. Some of these guys got to develop in this into impact players. Can't just be Auden Tate and Darius Phillips helping you. That's not enough. It, that's not Geno Atkins and Clint Bowling and Marvin Jones and George Iloka. And it, go on. There's more. I mean, the, a lot of their team is built on day three and they have nothing to show for it right now. Odie Angbo is also mentioned, I think, by Lapham as well. And I, I forgot I forgot that it was actually a torn Achilles. So, like, he's probably going right. yeah, to play like that much or even at all this year. But it's interesting, like, the, the defensive line conversation. If they don't end up with one by, like, say, like, round three, right? Mm-hmm. You'd think that that's, like, their, their top need entering day three. But even still then, like, like it's not a it's not a deep edge class, and it's definitely not a deep defensive tackle class. And you almost think like did they just punt on these position groups because they spend for agency, and they could still, I guess, theoretically bring back it bring back a Geno Atkins. But you but you're right, you can't just like be taking these positions because you need to fill the rest of the roster if these guys are not quality players and there's still depth at those other positions. Yeah, I, there's a good chance this D line is bad going next going into next year. I mean, I think they have 600 snaps at defensive end they haven't replaced. You got to remember where we were this time last year. We thought we had Carlos Dunlap. Carl Lawson, Sam Hubbard, right? And those guys were all going to play. In their nickel package, three defensive ends play next to Geno Atkins. You can wipe that slate clean. You got Sam Hubbard and you replace, even if Carl Lawson's a one-for-one one with, with Trey Hendrickson, it, it, you know, if you're being an optimist, that's fine. You're, you got to replace Carlos Dunlap and his his production. That has not been replaced yet. It's, we're talking even if you want to give that to a guy who's the third guy and Hubbard is more of a starter – 600 snaps are out there and and I don't see how they replace that with a guy even if it's third round you're expecting a third round rookie defensive end to come in and give you that quality minutes doesn't happen very often those Carl Lawson guys are very rare outside of the top 50 picks or so Uh, I think it's gonna be hard to fill that I I can see us coming out of this draft and saying they need to go sign a defensive end they need somebody that can play minutes for them Frank here yeah. Talking with Joe Goodberry, uh, talking some NFL draft on Draft Eve. We're going to be talking a little bit more about what's coming up over the weekend for the Cincinnati Bengals. We're going to do some specific prospect profiles, plural maybe. I don't know one, and then of course uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a mock draft, and I think Joe hopefully will stick around for that, and we'll kind of tag team that through the simulator. Joe, every every year, you know people who pay attention to the draft kind of have their quote unquote, their guys, right? A couple of a small group of players that maybe aren't the most well-known or aren't talked about, you know, beyond the first round, that sort of thing. But you're kind of like, I really like this guy, whether you watched them last season or the past couple of seasons in college, you kind of caught up with their film, that sort of thing. Do you have a couple of guys maybe that aren't being talked about a lot, especially as fits for the Bengals where you're like, I really like these guys. You know, I, I kind of, I, I feel like I sometimes I, I like guys and I talk about them too much. And then next thing I know, I see <laughs> these fans are drafting them in their mock simulators and sending them to me. Like, do you like this one? I'm like, well, you just drafted all my favorite guys. Yeah, I like this. <laughs> but I'd say one guy that I probably haven't talked about too much is Jalen Darden, wide receiver out of uh, North Texas. 
uh, high, per, I think his breakout age is 99 percentile. So this guy was dominating very early in his career. He looks like a slot jitterbug type of get him the ball in space, let him make his moves. And then they actually let him get a few deep, you know, slot fades and things like that. And I'm like, oh, he tracks it very well. Uh, this guy looks uh, elusive. He looks fast. He looks like somebody that can help in his return game also. You've got some snaps there that I think Alex Erickson leaving, we're just assuming maybe it's Darius Phillips in there. I do think they could probably find a punt returner to help this team out. And if they do double dip at receiver, assuming they take chase, a fourth rounder, fifth rounder maybe for Darden makes a lot of sense to me because I think he can help you and give you an element that's not currently on the team. I'm going to put you on the spot because I can and it's our show, but you think that the running back or kicker, which position gets drafted first? Hmm. I'll say kicker because I feel strongly that they're going to draft a kicker, whereas I assume they're going to draft a running back. I, you know, I do think that'll happen. I do think the back end of the running back room needs to have more talent. I, we like Travion Williams when he was drafted, and then it's three years later, and I don't even know what he looks like. So, uh, you know, I could see them drafting a running back, but I definitely think kicker, Evan McPherson, Florida, uh, sixth round. I want to talk about this guy. I guess this is kind of a little bit of a draft profile here, Joe. Uh, He's a guy I, I kind of teed up that I was going to maybe do last week. We didn't get around to it just because of time. But I, I saw recently that you had done a, a, a little thread on Twitter, at least a couple of, of things on him, and I'll, I'll pull that up. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, the USC wide receiver, a guy, mm-hmm. and I think this is a nice segue based on kind of what you're talking about there with the punt return uh, aspect and or special teams ability along with you know a wide receiver. I don't – I kind of see him as a guy that either, even if the Bengals take chase at five, I mean, they're going to need another wide receiver. I think at some point in this, in this Mm -hmm. class, whether it's day three, maybe late, late night two, what have you, but whether he's a supplemental guy that they add to the group or uh, you know, maybe they, maybe they hold off and they go heavy on offensive line, defensive line. And then he's there round three, round four, that sort of thing. I'm going to pull up your, your film on him, but I saw a lot of, things that I liked about him. I don't see the breakaway speed. I don't see, you know, the, the uber athletic kind of guy, but a, a plays really strong for his size, makes a lot of the tough catches, does a lot of the dirty work, a lot of fade stuff, um, mm-hmm. the occasional deep ball. I don't think he's a home run threat per se, but a guy I think could be very effective as maybe a, you know, a little bit down the totem pole type of option in a receiving core, but I'd love to get your take on him. And if you think that he would work in this system with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Well, you definitely know him better than me. I, I will. Uh, you get all of that credit there. You uh, are on these USC guys for sure. But uh, I thought he looked like Tyler Boyd in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, he, he's not out there winning with his size or his speed. You know, he's not winning with his gifts. I think he is winning because he's a decent route runner. And I think he sets him up for his routes very well. I think he's got good hands. Uh, good concentration through contact because he's going to have guys on him, and I, I think that showed at times. So I, I'm with you. I think he's a slot receiver. Does that mean he's the starting slot for a team? Yeah, if they have two good outside guys that I think, uh, you know, he's not a guy I want to give 100 targets to, but I, I guess. Here you go right here. Here's your, right. this is yours, yep. This looks like Tyler Boyd to me, doesn't it? They're just running that out route there and then uh, and then making that over-the-head catch like that and keeping his feet inbounds, watch the little, uh. yeah. So this is what he does, yep. you know, and, and I think if you have two good outside receivers, then you're fine with him as your slot guy. But I, what is that? This class is loaded with slot receivers. Does that push yeah. him down a round that he probably shouldn't fall to and, and then become a value in the fourth round? I think that's possible. 
I think it's it's interesting the conversation of receivers because we talk about this offensive line class, it's deep, but it's not deep with prototype tackles. And then mm-hmm. the receiver class is deep, but it's not deep with the receivers that the Bengals necessarily don't have. And there's been conversation about, oh, the Bengals can just invest in two slot receivers and do more about what the Rams want to do. But it's I, I don't know about I don't know what you think, but it's not just about like them potentially taking chase and them already signing Thaddeus Moss, but it doesn't seem like the Bengals are on the Rams path. It seems like they're more doing what Burrow did at LSU. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. It's just a different thing that people aren't really discussing about. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we're going to see a marriage of the two systems is what it feels like, right? Like they will uh, they will like to spread it out. They'll like to go empty. They'll like to go shotgun five wide. And five wide doesn't have to be five wide receivers. It just means you got five guys that aren't in the backfield. Yeah, that's a nice catch there. I'm on yeah. Rossi Brown. Yeah. yeah. Um, but – you know, I, I think we're still going to see, even last year with that system, they had two receivers in the slot, 50% of their passing offense. And how do you do that? By going five wide, by bunching up and stacking up two receivers, one with uh, with Tyler Boyd. And I think you could do that. If they if they ended up with an Elijah Moore, say they do trade back into the 15 range or something like that, I don't project it, but if it happened and they took Elijah Moore, I would understand it completely, even though I, I, he is projected to be a slot guy. Uh, I do think you can find ways to work on a second slot guy into this offense. I just don't know if that's makes them a better offense than just getting chase and letting him, because he worked in the slot at LSU also. And just you saying, all right, we've got our X, we're going to move him around a little bit. And they started doing that more with T Higgins down the stretch too. Uh, I was surprised by T Higgins. I think that was one thing uh, listening to uh, Brian Callahan also his intelligence was something that I didn't expect. It's always one part that you don't know how to evaluate when you watch it on film. You know, is the team asking him to do more or can he do more? And then you see the things, the Bengals have a lot of option routes. A lot of, if you see this, I want you to break off here in their, in their playbook. And he's doing it. Things that I saw AJ Green messing up on. I'm like, T Higgins ran the right route that Green did earlier in the game. So I I do think that they're going to be able to move these guys around more and more that I don't think they want to take a guy that has to be in the slot. Right, because then you have to create for that guy. Whereas Jamar Chase can run from the slot. That's part of the reason I think Chase is sometimes a little bit iffy on routes, is because he was at X, Z, and in the slot. And I think the routes are different every time you move into a different position and, and how te- uh, defenses are going to play you. Uh, when you see him actually stick at one spot for a little bit, he, he starts to get a little crisper and crisper in his routes. Uh, so I think they'd rather be more flexible, and I think that's why Chase is so appealing to them. I think what they do at going back to pick number five and then what subsequently happens after that, because you're talking about T Higgins here, I think it's going to show, I mean, for, for the last couple of seasons, they kept telling us we like the offensive line more than basically everyone outside looking in does. Right. And of course we Mm -hmm. all know how that has turned out over the past couple of seasons. I think if they do not, for some reason, go with Jamar Chase, I think that is very unlikely at this point based on everything we've been hearing, but if they don't, you know, that shows quite a bit of faith in Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and whatnot. How confident are you in this receiver core? I would assume they would probably still take a wide receiver round two or later. Um, how confident are you as T. Higgins is the number one wide receiver, even if it's for a year, and that group still being very productive if they do go offensive line early instead of wide receiver? I don't feel great about it at all. And I like both those guys. It's not a knock on them. I think for what they are, I really enjoy them. I, if you tell me my T Higgins is my number two, great, let's do it. I think he can be a Kenny Galladay type player. Uh, is that a number one do it all kind of guy? I don't know. That's like fringe what I want in my number one. Uh, and maybe T Higgins is that fringe of what you want in your number one, but it, who's the third guy? That third guy would still have to be someone that I think 
could provide yards after the catch. Uh, you can throw screens too because they don't have that at all in their offense right now. Uh, can he get deep? Can he threaten? Can he offer speed? Um, and that's that's why they end up on Chase because he can do all that stuff. And they don't even like why even move off this right. So if that in that scenario where they don't get Chase, someone moves up and, and, and something happens there that's weird. I think you have to address this wide receiver group and you have to be very uh, selective in who you're drafting because yet people say, yeah, it's a deep wide receiver class. Yeah, but not for what they need because they have two good receivers. They need something very specific at that third position because those two guys aren't very fast. They need something very specific there uh, because Boyd is best in the slot and they want to keep Boyd in the slot because they recognize it. Even when they were out there, two wide receivers, very rare last year, but when they did, Boyd wasn't on the field. It was Higgins and Green. They know when Boyd's on the field, he's a slot receiver, and that's how they want to use him, and that's where he's at his best. And because of that, that even strengthens the need for that other receiver on the outside. And I think that's it's really why they want Jamar Chase. We've said it before, even the Chase rumors began. People are very easy to forget what this offense was when they had a, a true dominant do-it-all receiver. Like mm-hmm. the heydays of Green and Chad, like – it, w- it was so much easier. You, and, and yeah, you can survive with Higgins and Tate and Boyd, but things just become a lot harder. And I think they, they, they just don't want to, they just don't want to veer into that for the long term. They never have like, 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 like you, you posted on Twitter a couple of days ago, like they always are ready for the next receiver and they're always ready to mm-hmm. elevate the offense at, w- with the next generation. And it just kind of seems like what people are kind of missing. But Anthony, you got any more questions before we start this mock draft? Yeah, we'll, we'll, Get to the the mock in just a second. I I guess I want to say this because, or ask you this, because this is kind of where I think a lot of people's mindsets are just kind of continuing the the talk of pick five, Jamar Chase potentially being that pick. Ten years ago, the Bengals used a number four overall pick on A.J. Green. That seemed to be a can't-miss I know you were you were doing still a lot of your your draft research and whatnot at that point in time, too, Joe. You know, he he was again, arguably the best player coming it would seem one of if not the very best player coming out of that draft the safest pick in that in that class you look at chase i mean it's essentially the same pick it's one pick later 10 years later different profile in terms of size and whatnot with with aj green how close how far away are they comparable in terms of your grades on them coming into this class because i think that's going to be something where a lot of Bengals fans are going to kind of go back in time and look at if this is the route they indeed go. Very comparable from a surface level. I think seeing them as very safe, very high upside type prospects that are easily worth the top five pick, even for wide receivers. Uh, that's very similar. I think, you know, my number grades are a little different from they were 10 years ago, but they would have been pretty close. I think green was a little bit rarer because you're talking about a six foot four guy that had odd flexibility and, and agility for that size. That's You don't find those guys too often. Whereas Jamar Chase is a little bit more power, a little bit more angry when he plays. And I kind of welcome that right now after, you know, AJ Green was great, but I kind of would like to add that element to AJ Green if I could have. Uh, maybe the one thing he was lacking was that. And so different, you know, but Maybe Green was a little – if they were both in the same class, people would argue you got to take the six-four guy over the six-foot guy, even though athletically, the way, the way they both tested, you would say that uh, Chase is the more athletic guy. I don't know that he is on tape. They're just different, you know. And so I come away with it as Chase being that much younger, two years younger at this point than Green was when they were drafted him. That may be the difference. Maybe Chase at 23, two more years of development in the NFL – 
it may not be close. I mean, that that's the upside we're talking about with Chase is that we're like, oh, yeah, he would have been the much better prospect at the same age. Getting smarter by the second, talking with Joe Goodberry. Happy to have him back on the program. And he is joining us courtesy of our show sponsor. That would be Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L. It is the stock market for sports where you can trade sports teams like stocks, earn cash when your teams win. There is a website that you can see. We'll, we'll share that in all the live chat uh, options as well. But you get a $10 deposit bonus when you sign up using the promo code OBI. John, you want to tell them a little bit more about Symbol, our partner in, of the program? Yeah, so I actually just checked today on the website to see what the price was. So when we partnered with Symbol about a month ago, as you can see on the screen, the price was about $25 a share. That price is now up to about $45 a share, which I believe is within the top three of all NFL teams. But just like Anthony said, it's literally a stock market for sports. You you just browse a list of all teams. They have a Symbol price attached to them. You guys know which teams are good, which teams are bad, which teams are going to get better. Why not use that knowledge and make money off of it? Symbol gives you that way to earn money off that knowledge without the high fees and high losses of gambling. And like Anthony said, visit symbol.app. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P backslash O-B-I to sign up, get your $10 deposit bonus. Joe, are you familiar with, with Symbol? Have you uh, have you checked that out? No, but that sounds fun. I'm yeah, just listening to that. I'm like, what? Stock market for teams? Exactly. Okay. I'm yeah. In. yeah, cool. Uh, well, let's get to the mock draft, right? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna share the screen here. I think we're doing is it Pro Football Network we're doing, John? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Uh, you have the controls, good sir. And we're gonna do how many rounds? Are we doing? Are we doing seven? Are we doing? I think we might as well do seven. Okay, we might as well. You know, <laughs> let's let's just get into it. All right. So this is this is pretty, I guess, predictable. You have Mac at three and then Pitts at four. And I mean, we like, we know what this is going to be, right? So we, yep. we're just going to, yeah, we're just going to take chase. Okay. Jamar chase is the pick at number five, based on everything we've been seeing, hearing, and what we believe in terms of the prospect himself. Uh, Slater going eight. Sewell are going we, 11. Sorry, go ahead, Joe. Are we being predictive with this one? Should we use all of our information and what the Bengals like and maybe what we have heard while we do Not this? only should we be predictive, but we should throw a wild card in there because that's what always that's happens. that's what will happen. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We should pick some bad players that we're like, ah, oh, all right, next round. <laughs> <laughs> we also got some trade-offs. the scenario, right. I mean, th- th- they would absolutely consider this. Like, that's a fourth-round sure. pick to drop down three, three picks. They mm-hmm. wouldn't consider the train all the way back to the end of the second round. Um, all right. So, so let's, let's just see. Let's check let's the board. What, yeah. So obviously we would look to, to here first. Mm-hmm. I, again, like we mentioned, Redunds, we mentioned Eichenberg. Mm-hmm. Jalen Mayfield is an interesting one. I feel like he doesn't necessarily fit, but he's also just still 20 and he's mm-hmm. just a mauler when he gets, when he gets on. What are your thoughts on him, Joe? Yeah, I feel the same way. He is nasty, and he's a guard, in my opinion, that could potentially play tackle. But for me, I'd put him at guard. And when, like you said, when, when you get a young guy like that, they're not going to test well. They normally don't. That's how you get Tyler Boyd that outplays his performance. T. Higgins will outplay his testing. Even Auden Tate will outplay their testing. You want to draft young guys, and but the value to me would be at 69 for Mayfield. I think that's where he ends up going, closer to that. Right. 
Before we make this pick, Joe, the other name that's sitting there right below him is Spencer Brown. He is a guy who tested extremely well. Uh, do you want to do you want to talk about him a little bit and your thoughts on on him, where he may or may not fit, where he may or may not go between? You know, yeah. I mean, you see he's number seventy five here. Uh, I don't know. What do what do you make of him? I mean, when you get a guy that that size, that freak, athletic, and he ends up at Northern Iowa, you kind of wonder, um, but. <laughs> You know, if he teams are going to do their homework, I guess. So I, I don't be surprised if he went in round two, but don't be surprised if he's there in the fourth or fifth. I, mm-hmm. we, we see these guys every once in a while, and they go one of two ways: either they get drafted high because teams think he's going to be the next Taron Armstead, or or they don't get drafted, and they, it can end up being a Jason Peters that goes that doesn't get drafted. So I don't know if they do it. I'll feel like they feel confident in that, and I would be really excited about his upside. Right, and we, let's also take a look at the guards here. Um, Wyatt Davis, he could honestly go anywhere between the second. Mm-hmm. I, I think Matt Miller said he, he's a potential day three guy at this point because mm-hmm. he didn't test. He's injured. Trey yeah. Smith tested really well. He's pro- just probably day two or, or, or early third round. Ben Cleveland again. But I feel like if, if there's these amount, if there's Redunz and Eichenberg there along with. This is the trade back. Yeah. I feel like we, we got to take advantage of this one. Let them come up and get Jason away. Yeah. You guys, you guys good with this? Yeah, yeah, I am. If you guys are, yeah, they trade up for Levi. I'm, I'm, I still don't know how to say his last name. The defensive I'm tackle. Enrique. There we go. And then we went to the Broncos uh, pick right before the Bengals. So now we have a couple more trade off options. Not trading back all the way to the third. No, Might be. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I feel like. It, if I'm predicting what they do here, I think it's between these two guys. I can bring Redunds. Just mm-hmm. two guys that I think overall that they see him as a guard year one. I think with with Redunds, I'm more confident that they see him as a tackle long term than Eichenberg. Mm-hmm. I know that Lab mentioned that Eichenberg would just be probably just stay a guard. So I feel like it's weird because like it makes sense that they see guard as this gaping weakness right now and they would have no problem taking one in round two but also they know the tackles in need and i feel like they would probably prefer to, to address that in round two rather than round three yeah eichenberg with 32.38 inch yeah. arms i mean that is small he would probably be one of if not the smallest arms for tackle in the league so i i think they would view him as a guard whereas they would feel they would see radins as okay we have to play him at guard because we're bringing him up from north dakota state but he can eventually kick out the tackle and i i think that's where they would lean yeah. What do you think, Anthony? I, I mean, I I like what I've seen from Eichenberg. That's where I would personally go, but I, I think I agree with both of you guys in terms of a little bit more upside from from a tackle perspective with Redunes um, over, over Eichenberg. Those short arms worry me with Eichenberg, and especially when you've got Jonah Williams, who has kind of a little bit shorter arms mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, you're talking about two tackles, Lynch pinning the line that both have, you know, short arms that's not ideal so uh, i i i'll agree with you i do like eichenberg but i i think i think redens makes uh, a little bit more sense longer term all right so we're gonna make him the pick then okay i think so like, far this makes a lot of sense yeah and then davis and miners go right after two i didn't see i didn't see elijah morris still on the board that's not gonna happen <laughs> oh well do you think he goes uh end of first like Baltimore or something like that is that kind of where you guys are feeling he goes I, think, I, think I, Tennessee. Tennessee. I don't want to play anymore 
<laughs> Dickerson just goes to the Rams. So then I can turn back to Baltimore. No, screw that. So Eichenberg's still there now. He's probably, if not, he's the fourth best available player for this board. Mm, Ryan yeah. Perkins. There's McNeil. This is how. This is how they ended up taking Jake Fisher that one year. Is yeah. they were like, well, we like we like a boy more. We'll go with him. And then you come back and you're like, he's still there. We got to take Fisher. And that we shouldn't use that example right now. I know that's like, <laughs> uh, you know, ju- bad juju. But I, I can see them s- sitting here and saying, man, Eichenberg or Peyton Turner. What do we do? What do we do now? Like the 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 double down makes sense because I you know for a fact that they have Eichenberg graded like higher than this. And but yeah. it's just the dynamic. Like if we pass on Turner, then you're taking maybe like a Patrick Jones in round four, or you're you're just waiting for Odeengbo to get to get healthy. You're you're either punting on that position group, or you're just solidifying the offensive line. Obviously, you get more fan support if you just take the Eichenberg and just put him at guard for his career. I don't know, man. This is, this is tough. Yeah, and the the Bengals have shown interest in uh, pre-draft interest in Turner, right? Um, wasn't mm-hmm. there an yeah. uh, interview? They where, ran his drills at his pro day. Yeah, that's right. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, because it's look a- at there may still be really good offensive linemen in round four. Just by, by the way, it's falling out still. You know, yeah. I mean, so Mayfield's still, still there. Ben Cleveland, Kendrick Green, Deontay Brown, uh, Aaron Banks, who was also Someone that Lab mentioned. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, yeah. So you, you have, I mean, Jackson Carmen, Christensen. They would absolutely they would consider him around four probably. I mean, Walker Walker Little would be like the wild card here. Mm-hmm. I feel like like they could just easily have him graded even higher than Eichenberg. It just as a yeah. true tackle. Yep. Like honestly, like I, I feel like I feel like yeah, I feel like Little is in the conversation now with, with Turner and Eichenberg. Yeah, I just think you can come back in the fourth, and they've got two fourth-round picks now with the trade back. And, I mean, if you end up with Jackson Carmen, are you mad? No. No. Right. Bring him home to Cincy. But then go to defensive end, and you're going to be like, man, I wish we would have uh, potentially taken Peyton. I like Peyton Turner much more than Ronnie Perkins now that Perkins' profile is complete and his production and testing wasn't great. Mm -hmm. And I don't even even know if they're operating under the belief that Turner is going to – if he's going to get here. So I feel like – that, that, that might just be what, what makes the decision for them. Right. I could see them have grading Turner just as high as Eichenberg as a guy that's like 40 on their board. Right. Um, what I, do you guys I, want I to It kind of seems like we're, where it should go then. Yeah, I, I think with, given the depth that are maybe in the, the other offensive line positions and uh, the the fact that the edge class is a little bit of a mixed bag and that's a guy a guy is still on the board in the third round that they seem to be interested in, that, that seems to be a sensible pick to me personally. All right, we're going to turn the card in for Peyton Turner. Yeah, we talked about how many snaps are there. Uh, would Eichenberg play right away or would he play over Raddins? Uh, you know, I think Peyton Turner would play and he'd play a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Eichenberg went, I think, a couple picks after, looked like. Yep. There's Deontay Brown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mayfield goes Mayfield. to the Steelers. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Walker Little finds some, goes back to LA. Oh, here's all these guys. Oh, my gosh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Ben, ben Cleveland, we 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 screwed ourselves. Oh man, oh man, this is how it goes. 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, so, so there's no like real true best player available now. Like I, people like Trey Trey Sermon, they like Stone Forsyth, who honestly could mm-hmm. go anywhere. I'm like, there's apparently yeah. a, a late surge with him, but Aaron Banks is still there. Hainsey as well. David Moore from Grambling, senior bowl guy. Tommy Doyle, I think. Okay, so this wasn't this wasn't so bad. Stone Forsyth in the fourth round makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I think all three of those guards make a lot of sense too. And you don't, you're not forced to play them this year. If, if Reddins is going to be your right guard for the year, uh, I think they're in a good shape here with O-line. Anthony, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, what, what are some of the, uh, just for, for giggles and stuff. Can you, can you show me what's available at, at wide out and, t- and tight end here? Is there anybody of note that. So you got Darden, you got Amir Smith, Marsed, who I believe they interested in early uh-huh. in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony Schwartz. I think they saw him down there. Shy Smith, honestly, is like a mm-hmm. taller Hawkins kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so yeah, there's depth there to, to go back in round five. And you know, we, lest we forget, we have a pick right after this. So we can right. just, <laughs> right. we got two picks. Yeah, yeah, we only really have to make a crucial decision here, right, right here. So let's take one receiver. What's that there at defensive tackle? Since we've already addressed uh, yeah, at the right. end, maybe we can get one O line, one D line right here. Oh, I, I know, I know, Joe wants to take Marvin Wilson. Uh, no, not at all. I'm glad <laughs> to see him at 169, though. That's great. I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty fair and accurate. This is, this is was, a good. Uh, uh, Tyler Shelvin should be dropped down. I was wondering yeah. where you're. What do you think of Adigizua, the the defensive tackle out of UCLA? I'm at least interested. You know, I do think he is a bit of a tweener, and we haven't really used that word in the draft world for a long time because mm-hmm. you kind of find a spot for those guys lately. Uh, but I, he looks like a tweener. I do think he can give you some interior rush. Uh, I think he, he's more of a DN that play that kicks inside rather than yeah. a, a yeah. full-time three-tech unless he gains a little bit of weight and lo- gets a little stronger. But he could be that. And we're talking – we're in the fourth round. That's You take these guys that maybe are missing one trait. Yeah. So I, I, you know, if we if we want to go receiver here, if we want to wait and see what Lyman drops in the fifth in order to double down there and take a receiver and maybe a defensive tackle here. I like the guards that are here. If you want to go back to them, I, I think Banks, Moore, or Hainsey are good developmental guards. I mean, the only thing I don't like about Banks is that he'll be twenty four on draft day. Where I think Moore's got like high upside, but do we want to take a North Dakota State and a Grambling State to fix our right. offensive line, <laughs> or do you want to get a Robert Hainsey? Who those guys are? Those Notre Dame guys, man, they come out pro ready lately, and yeah. uh, he may be a guy that's you know is a little bit younger, and, and maybe he comes in and, and can play if you need him to. I believe Hainsey played center a lot, at the Senior Bowl, and pressed there, mm-hmm. and, and I think PFF has that as like his position going forward, and and I think Hainsey's like more athletic too, which, which could intrigue them for what they want to do compared to banks. Okay. Yep. I'm pulling up my grades here to see where I'm at and on who I liked more. Yeah. I had banks higher without factoring in age. Uh, but yeah, it, it's pretty close. It's up to you so, guys. What do you want to do? So, so is there any, is there any DTs that like, like that you want to like, just, just get now and not like worry about. I really like Bobby Brown. I really like Odigizua for here. We're talking fourth round. I didn't like him as much as the third, but now in the fourth round, like Brown, Odigizua, I think Marshall in the next round. And then after that, it gets a little weird. Um, go to Edge. I wonder if uh, Deo is still there as a yeah, – I think he's more of a D tackle. 
you know, I think he's a guy that kicks inside, but that's probably next round if he's ranked 130. Mm-hmm. How about we just we, we just go we, we we just take care of the offense line right now. We'll, we'll just take, okay. pick one of these guards. We'll pick okay. um uh, between go Banks tackle and though. Are there more tackles that could kick inside? Yeah, I mean you're not gonna kick four sides inside. He's six eight. And Tommy Doyle. No, Tommy, oof. You see guy. Yeah. I think he'd actually make a good guard. Yeah, because he's six I mean, what four or something, and I think his length is is below. I'm going to click on him right now. He's crazy. He's crazy athletic too. Yep. Yeah, Hudson is six four three oh two with thirty three inch arms. Yeah, I mean this again. I like a lot of these guys that are sitting here. So if you guys have someone you like, the clock is the clock is running down. Like I feel like at this point we're almost forfeiting the pick. So it's <laughs> great. <laughs> Let's go, Hudson. Let's go, Hudson. Okay. Let's go. Fine. Now we're back on the clock. (laughs) (laughs) If it was me, I'd probably go Bobby Brown. Okay. Yeah. You guys have any objections or anyone else you want? No, no. that's a good one. Ben Davies. I've got Bobby Brown as the fourth highest defensive tackle in this class. 6'4", 321, almost 35-inch arms. Um, his production score was in the 78th percentile. His testing was in the 98th percentile. Hmm. And I like in it. terms of pass rush, pass rush win rate, PFF had him number four or five, if I'm not, if I'm missing five, um, amongst interior defensive linemen. And this is where the, this is what they would want to do. Like they get an extra pick, and they don't have to wait and see which guys fall on these positions. Now they address two offensive linemen, receiver, two def- two defensive linemen before round five. Pretty good. Yep. And this is ideal, right? I mean, I think you get the shiny toy, as they want to call it, with uh, with Jamar Chase. But then you load up on the trenches. We got mm-hmm. two offensive linemen, two defensive linemen. I mean, this th- these are the weaknesses on the team. Now you can enter the conversation of getting another receiver, maybe taking a running back. Khalil Herbert just went off the board. Shai Smith just went off the board. Aaron Banks. Sean Wade. Listen Finally. to safety. <laughs> All right, so we got Marshall at the top of the board. Um, mm-hmm. for, for kicks and giggles, let's, like I feel like I, I don't know if they would be interested in like the, these running backs. I feel like a lot of these guys have like a lot of tread on the tires, and maybe they want to take yeah, a guy who's like more fresh. I, I know for a fact that they were interested in Chris Minute. Evans, and, and, and yeah, and but yeah, it feels it feel like this is just a little too early unless there's like a unless there is a Trey Sermon or or um, a, right. a Cleo Herbert right there. Go back to receiver. That's it, huh? Yeah. Hmm. I was hoping for a, a shy Smith at the very Anthony Schwartz just went. I see him on the left. Right. Jalen Darden too. That's what happened. Yeah. Schwartz, yeah. I think, is going to outplay his draft position if we're talking fifth round. Also, look at tight end as well. Mm-hmm. I know I've seen McKitty like a couple mm-hmm. times. This might be just too early for him. Um, hmm. Kicker? Is there a corner? DJ Daniels a, a name, but I don't, I don't know much about him. Um, Shakur Brown. Trey Brown, who's more of a slot guy. I think Avery Williamson is like this, the consensus second best returner in this class behind Jalen Waddle. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that, that might be a guy in the sixth round. 
I don't know. Like this yeah. feels like there's not like a, a guy that's like standing out and right. no. all those positions. So I think you could always take another edge. You could always take another offensive lineman. Um, you know, uh, Drake Jackson I, and some local fans would probably be very excited for something like that. I think Cam Sample's got a lot of upside. Actually, yeah, it, it, I was thinking about like just going through it today. Like, what what other positions could they double down? I feel like Edge is the mm. other position, and a guy that they really yeah. liked is Janarius Robinson. What I was gonna say he looks like Dunlap a lot, but you kind of got to get light the fire under him half the half the time. When it's on, it's on, man. And I, I think if that's why he's there in round five. Uh, it, we talked about Edge class being kind of a weird class where it's it kind of dies off in round two. And maybe you get a Peyton Turner at the top of round three, but you know it seems like there's a lot of guys that like to roll the dice on on day three late. And I think just looking here with Cam Sample, Shaka Tony, uh, Janarius Robinson, Josh Kando, uh, there's quite a few guys that I would consider. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like Robinson here. He this might be too early for some people, but I feel like for the Bengals, this no this it makes be sense. A that they would make. Yeah. yeah, we'll go ahead and do it. So this bunch of D-linemen. Do we start yeah. looking at kickers, running backs? What are yeah. what are we looking at here? Yeah, I, I think sure. most I think, I think most people would like would would, would want to wait to the seventh round for a kicker, but then you, like it's every couple of years there's just one that just pops up at like the sixth or even the fifth round. I, I think I think there was a Tony Paul the the, the uh, Tony Pauline piece on the Athletic to so, like someone could take McPherson like the fourth round or something like that, which would be a bit crazy, but. That's just kind of how it goes sometimes. I'd rather be the team to get the kicker you want in this scenario because, uh, I mean, the Bengals can't go into less than Cybert again, right? I mean, so go get your kicker now. You've got two more picks left in this draft, right? And so we'll we'll get some backup guys with maybe some potential at the end. It's weird because, like, I was, I was expecting one of these guys, like Patterson, McPherson, or Borgales to be, like, more accurate than the other, but none, mm. none really, like, kind of stand out which makes sense because it's college kickers, but still. Um, what do we yeah, want? Like, Flip a coin? You, you did mention McPherson. I feel like that, that does make sense. So I'm good with that if you guys are. I was told by someone that works at Florida that um, Darren Simmons spent a lot of time with him talking, working through stuff, and so it just seems like that would happen. Okay, That's good enough for me. Hainsey just There's went. our kicker, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not cut him next time. <laughs> Oh, gosh. No. <laughs> no bitterness there. <laughs> so now, I mean. Frank Darby could be fun. JV and Hawkins. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Morrissey. I think he can end up being a starting center. I mean, they, they, they don't really have to go anywhere here. Like, you'd think after losing three receivers, they would they would consider taking two, and now they have two more picks. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about these other receivers, though. Like, I, I know some a little bit about some of the running backs. I know people love Hawkins. He was fast. Um, there's Chris Evans, again, who's, I think, in the 260s. Also, Joe Burrow's former roommate, Justin Hilliard, same next guy. Well, really? Okay. If they yeah. do that, then they are listening full on to Joe Burrow. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I think he was in the Daners mock, too. Um, but, like, it, it's weird, like, because, I mean, they, they didn't bring back Bynes. They have five linebackers that are probably going to make the roster, and you – kind of wonder like are they even interested in like adding to that beyond just like an undrafted guy i know you do wonder but this is basically undrafted territory anyways i mean right. so you they could this is just guys you want to make sure you get rather than you know put them out there to bid 
I could see Hilliard just as he was, he was a captain again, you see mm-hmm. Arab Cincinnati guides, the guy knows Burrow just around up the position group here. Um, but mm-hmm. Fine with me. right. Yep. yep. Leave us one more pick. Maybe we can get another receiver. Maybe we get a corner. Maybe we get a tight end. Maybe you get one more offensive lineman or running back. Yeah, we didn't we didn't do that yet. Can't fill everything, huh? So they say. Avery Williams. I'm not, I, yep. just, I I don't know any of these people. <laughs> what was that? What was that tight end from uh, BYU? Like Chapman, I think. People were like raging uh, about him. Click on it. We might be able to see it. Yeah, he dominated when he was like 19 years old, and then Bushman, Bushman. and then yeah. he got injured the last two years. And then I believe he tested well, or he didn't test. I'm, I'm if I'm, I can't remember which one was which, but yeah, he at like 19, he was like all of their passing offense. So that's that could be an option. I think um, Noah Gray. I, I think his dad is really good. He's like right behind Pitts in terms of the mar- the market share and the density based athleticism data. Um, mm-hmm. it, I, I just I, I do wonder. Like at, at this point, they probably do take a running back just because. They, they just seem kind of set on it. That's been like what the athletic guys. Jay Finley, Baylor. No one remembers that. that uh, no, I remember Jay Finley. Wow. I remember Jay Finley. Yeah. <laughs> like, is he in this class? Like, no, he was drafted like 10 years ago. Did, did nothing. It was, he was like ranked 350 on a board. And like the only board I even knew that had him on there. And they took him in the seventh. I'm like, why? What is this? And he was cut like the first week of camp. Yeah. We, we we rake on odd and tape, but he's by far the best seventh rounder they've had in a while, I guess, aside from Fedulum. Yeah. So they've been connected to Evans, right? Mm-hmm. There's been some kind of go ahead then. there. Yeah. They can I'm, use I'm, more athleticism on that back half. Yeah. Rounded out with Evans. We're rounded out with the Avenger. Captain America. <laughs> what what do you think about the Falcon Winter Soldier? I thought it was cool. I I uh, had read the comic that basically that's that closely follows uh, where old Captain America is out of service and Falcon takes over as you know not exactly Captain America but as a you know I'm going to take the role and uh, I thought they did a good job of playing on the right strings that that really make it interesting. So I for, overall I liked it. Well, guys, this is this is our mock in all its glory. Uh, we got Chase at one. Dylan Redunds in round two, Peyton Turner, the edge of Houston round three, James Hudson, Cincinnati offensive lineman round four, Bobby Brown, the extra fourth round pick right after him, the defensive tackle of Texas A&M, Janarius Robinson, the edge of Florida State, Evan McPherson, kicker out of Florida, Justin Hilliard, Joe Burrow's best friend from Ohio State, and Chris Evans, running back from Michigan. I feel like this would this would Greatest be in the time. chat. <laughs> What what are they? I got to look here. What are they saying in the chat? I I had full screen going. So, um, so since you all drafted James Hudson, a plus fellas, I like that one. That's a good one. I still have beef uh, of Hudson for what he did in the Peach Bowl, but I'll get over that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think that's I think that's realistic. I think it's a, a solid class, and I believe uh, you know I I do think that there's going to be a trade in there somewhere for him. I think they want to get another pick somewhere. Uh, and because there are a lot of just deficient areas on the roster and they need to add some depth for sure. So uh, might be the worst mock I've ever saw. Thanks, Josh Cook. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Josh. Uh, So at any rate, that's what we came up with. And 
like it or love it, leave it, whatever. That's, <laughs> that's what we got. That's what we got. And it was a tag team by myself, John Sheeran and Joe Goodberry. Joe, if any, any parting thoughts, we've gone a little long because of the mock here, but uh, first of all, it's been great having you back on the show, man. We got to make it a regular thing. I know you're going to take a little hiatus after the draft, but hopefully we can have you back on and go over some of these players that are, uh, that have been drafted and talk about your analysis of them, but any parting thoughts, any predictions, bold predictions, anything like that that you want to leave us with as we head into draft weekend? You know, I, I wish they were picking in the 20s because then we could have a little bit more fun and and say, well, if this happens, that remember those days, guys, those were fun. Um, or I guess maybe now the last one I remember is <laughs> getting a heart broken from Frank Ragnow and yeah. with Billy Price. That one's scorched into my brain, but so it seems like Jamar Chase. I hope it's Jamar Chase, so we don't have to think about all the other alternate realities and scenarios because it seems like that's their guy. I don't want to do what I just did about Ragnow and Price for the next five years. So let, let's hope for Jamar Chase and let's have a good time and then reset the board in the day two. And there's always better players there than you expected in every yeah. single round. Let's just hope they get them this time. Yeah. You know, let's hope it's that year where it's 2012, where it just they kept taking the consensus top guy on the board, right, with all those picks. Let's get one of those years again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been awesome having you back on the show, Joe. It's been too long, as I've said. And, you know, there's been a lot of fun going through a mock draft with you. I haven't done that with, with you on one, one of these shows. So a lot right. of fun. Enjoy uh, enjoy draft week. What are you, you going to be doing? Are you going to be plopped down on the sofa? Are you doing anything fun? What are you, what are you doing for the, for the weekend? I will be getting on with Jake Lisko streaming a little bit. Uh, I've got a buddy coming over too, so I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to watch. I'm going to hang out, and I'm going to uh, probably try and ruin Jake's stream. <laughs> Jake, Jake's trying to ruin our stream. He's, he's talking about how the Miami Dolphins are going to trip up to four for some reason in, in, in the chat. Right now he's doing that? What is yeah. That? Don't do that, Jake. What are you doing? Yeah, there's there's <laughs> Jake. What's going on, Jake? Good to see you, bud. Um, we got to get him on the show, too. I don't, I don't know if we've ever had him on. We got to get him on here. But hey, Joe, take care, man. Thanks for everything. Thanks for coming on here. Thanks for the hats. People go follow. The, it's going to be on your Twitter account where they can get these hats because we've got had a lot of yes, requests sir. for them. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys yeah. don't follow Joe Goodberry, Goodberry, definitely follow him. You know, if you don't follow him. Well, you don't. You think there's a lot of people that do not follow me, right? So good yeah. joke. Uh, I I don't know any that any person that knows of the Bengals that does not follow Joe Goodberry. So go follow him if for some reason you do not. This has been the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Our thanks to Joe Goodberry. Our thanks to our sponsor, Symbol. Our thanks to all of you for tuning in live for this fun pre, I guess, draft eve episode of the show. Have fun this weekend. We'll be talking to you more on this show, on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, and all of the news, opinions, analysis of every pick. It's going to be available on cincyjungle.com. Keep it there. For John Sheeran, I'm Anthony Cazenza. Thanks again to Joe Goodbury. We'll see you next time.